Welcome to our next fireside chat. My name is Kevin Hill, the executive publisher here at FreightWaves, and we're going to talk about some commercial real estate with Chris Bjornsson from JLL. He's the executive managing director there. Uh, Chris, thank you for joining us. And can you tell our audience a little bit about JLL and yourself? Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Yeah, JLL is a Fortune 158 company focusing on commercial real estate. Uh, I head up our, our industrial business, so I've been spent 27 years advising industrial occupiers all around the globe. I also sit on our global industrial board and, and as well as our global retail board. So delighted to have a chance to chat with you about commercial real estate trends globally. Yeah, you know, it's all about trends and not just trends here in North America or the USA, but globally and where trends start and where they end up in that natural evolution and diffusion of ideas. And that's something that you have expertise on. Chris, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what global trends are happening right now in commercial real estate? Yeah, so, so from the real estate standpoint, you know, I, I think every you know uh region of the world is you know experiencing the growth of e-commerce so it's a trend that you know we tracked early on and really took off more in, in asia pacific than than it did other parts then emia caught on and then then you know the americas caught on so you know right now uh across you know the world um, e-commerce drives somewhere between 30 to 50 percent of the demand for industrial real estate and so uh, it's certainly been a fast trend that the pandemic and COVID, you know, really helped that trend jump three to five years, in our opinion, across many markets. So uh, when, when you look at globally, you know, the, the email and in Asia Pacific type of trends that are reaching here in the U.S., what's the, the most prominent trends that you're seeing right now? Well, some of the stuff that, that we saw, you know, five years ago or so in Asia Pacific, we're starting to see, you know, right now, we're seeing, you know, what does our bricks and mortar retail really look like? You know, back then we saw them having, you know, the buy online, pick up in store. We saw sections of the store dedicated to fulfillment. So, um, you know, where you would just be picking up, you know, picking up orders, but it looked more like a warehouse than it would the back of a retail center. So we've seen a lot of this evolution that, that's, you know, grown around and we're finally seeing it here in America. And you're going to see many of these concepts emerge even more, you know, as the real estate markets continue to grow in turn. Yeah, when we talk about e-commerce, we always think of retailers, but there's also CPG or consumer packaged goods companies as well. Do you see, uh, you know, you know, in 2020 and certainly during COVID and the jump in e-commerce, are both of these sectors, both retail and CPG, both accept, adopting these trends and, and really moving forward at the same pace? Yeah, for, for, for many of our large bulk distribution space, um, we're seeing the B2B e-commerce providers show up because through the pandemic, as they were challenged with their su supply chain, you know, one of the challenges that, that came across them is, is being able to deliver to us direct. And so do they, what channel does the CPG really have to follow? Is it the traditional channel through the retailer or is there other channels that, that now you know, can be made available to them. So all of them are investing and you'll see most of the B2B companies is where you'll see the continued double digit growth in e-commerce, you know, versus the B2C companies that eventually are gonna reach the plateau that us consumers let them reach. 
So let's talk about B2B a, a, a little bit more in depth since you mentioned it right there. So on B2B e-commerce, uh, there's exceptional growth. Where do you see that that going, especially when it, whenever it comes to commercial real estate and what properties are being developed or rehabbed into to e-commerce on the B2B side? Yeah, you know, I think it's, you know, which mile are you going to be at? You know, you're serving, you know, we break it down into different segments, right? You have a last mile that's talked about the most, but you have a mid-mile company, you have a first-mile company. So a lot of the B2B situation on e-commerce is really, really in that first mile. So they're setting up larger regional facilities around the country, you know, to, to create the first step, whereas you see the mature retailers, you know, um, focusing on that last mile, you know, we're at the other end of the spectrum with the B2B focusing on the first mile, you know, just getting into the game to see how our, our, us customers want to take their product on. When, when selecting though those, those commercial real estate locations, what's most important right now for, for both B2B and B2C uh, customers that are really, especially on the B2C side, kind of those retailers that have been always been kind of laggards uh, adopting e-commerce until they've had to in the last uh, last 12 months because of COVID. Uh, what, what kind of uh, trends and locations are they looking for right now? Yeah, really from the, the fulfillment side, you think about real estate as location, location, location. Um, when you start talking about customer service, you know, it becomes logistics. Then, then in the world of picking uh, each product and get everything out to you, it's labor location. So the fulfillment world is really driven by logistics, labor, location in the selection. And that logistics piece is all tied to this, you know, are you getting served within a half day, one day, two hour window? You know, how tight do you really need to be to the population density? Uh, flip side on the B2B, you know, there's often some production involved, right? So there's manufacturing production and there's other things creating that product. Um, that is all coming back to that first mile. That's all labor centric. And so, you know, extensive studies on the workforce, extensive studies on skill sets require to make that happen. So when production gets involved, it's really labor logistics location as we think about how we orient clients to make location decisions. So, so what does that mean on, on B2C e-commerce, kind of shopping around for, for new locations on commercial real estate, you're looking at more dense urban areas, you know, large markets for consumers. And on the B2C side, it might be more the manufacturing hubs, large, you know, you know dense manufacturing hubs. Right. Is that a good differentiator right. between the two? Yeah, it's a great differentiator, um, you know, because they're just getting started. The B2B is just getting started in this world, right? So, so they're looking at places, you know, that would be more traditional, uh, whereas the B2C is really, as you said, you're in that last mile. So we're sort of agnostic on what the solution may be, right? That solution could be a Class C manufacturing building that we demo and, and we turn down. It could be a vacated retail store. Um, it could be a former single-story office that's now, as all these other worlds are changing around the industrial real estate world, we're taking advantages of, what's happening in those sectors and trying to prepare that real estate to be viable last mile real estate. So, so that's, that, that must be a big trend here in the U S uh, as you said, is rehabbing, retooling uh, buildings and, and commercial real estate. That's been, you know, always purposed or, or built for a different purpose, but now it's, it's part of that rehab. And that's a very strong focus of commercial real estate buyers right now. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's the retail to industrial conversion. I mean, where we're at in the U.S., that's primarily been demolition, right? So we've, you know, where we're at in this evolution has been, you've seen the demolition of malls, you've seen the demolition of other big box to put in industrial, uh, but that's evolving. I mean, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing conversions now. So um, we're going beyond demolition to see conversions, um, but everybody's got to get on board with it, right? So it's just not a real estate decision. It's a tax body decision, government's involved, traffic studies, um, you know, uh, zoning, you know, use rights, you know, so it's a little more complicated than just, you know, just saying it's, it's going to happen, but it's certainly met with challenges to happen, you know, in every community, your backyard and my backyard, it's all the same challenges. Chris, what are your thoughts and, and, and predictions on the, the future of malls and the repurposing of malls? Uh, where do you, where do you see that trend going over the next, I don't know, three to five years? Yeah, I think that comes back into the same type of zoning and what other uses really evolve in those malls. You know, you, you've seen some of the evolutions of these malls, you know, and the ones that you go to with, with the expansive food courts. You know, those are things that got really popular in uh, EMEA on how that was done. Um, the evolution of the Asia Pacific Mall has a fulfillment sector to that, right? So there's a portion of that mall that has fulfillment. You know, to, in our minds, you'd have you'd have a chunk of that mall that would be nothing but trucks and vans and things doing fulfillment services for the entire mall. Um, so those evolutions are coming. It's just been a little bit slow right now. The implementers of everything, most of the things we're seeing is the Fortune 100 retailers are the ones implementing. Um, but, but that's as everybody catches on, you're gonna need some of those third-party logistics services at, at the malls. You're going to need some of these properties to get converted properly as us consumers are switched exactly how we shop and buy. Yeah, if you if you think about the um, the, the smaller e-commerce players, so the online only, you know, small businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, and, and places like Shopify and Amazon, the, those resellers and kind of their trends of of their, you know, creating distrib distribution models for those small businesses and in the retooling of, of large square, large scale distribution centers that are primarily third party, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, we predicted, JLL predicted that we, you know, have 1 billion square feet of absorption of industrial space to serve the e-commerce growth, you know, which gets out to, you know, $1.7 trillion in 2025. So to keep up with that e-commerce growth, we believe there's about 1 billion square feet of uh, industrial deals coming in the next five years. That won't all be done through industrial zone locations. You're gonna have to take those, um, you have to be creative. They will be in retail locations. It'll be in you know former locations that fit the density, the population density and how we wanna buy it. So this conversion is really gonna take on, you know, start take, coming on fast. And that's a very bullish sentiment for commercial real estate going out three, five years, right? I mean, that's a very right. bullish market. Yeah, it's a bullish market, and you know, unless us consumers change it, on a, you know, you know. But right now, my household or your household, you know, that that percentage that we're buying online is certainly increased over the past twelve months. I mean, and I don't see it going backwards. Yeah, I don't see it going backwards either. I, I think this has uh, changed the dynamic. We're pulled forward 
type of you know is, is pulled forward not not the demand per se but pull forward the adoption of of e-commerce and and pushed out the, the growth definitely if we're talking about pull forward uh, again uh, if we go back to to reshoring maybe or switch gears to reshoring and we talk about you know the end of 2018 you had the pull forward demand uh to beat the tariffs and then uh, you know, have 2019 but then 2020 you have a a wild wild uh, you know international trade picture with with covid and the mixed shift of of services spending to tangible goods and we talk about reshoring and can you fill us in on some of the, the trends that you're seeing with companies reshoring to uh, at least north america yeah you know i, I think those trends you know are going to continue i mean you know we've seen you know sort of the reallocation of the supply chain and when you reallocate that supply chain to have inventory when you want it, um, it involves reinsuring. And so, you know, we see across all, not just essential manufacturers, uh, but, you know, we, we see our consumption from everything from food and beverage to medical to everything we're consuming, that reshoring initiatives will continue. Um, and so we see that strong and that that's, we're working across coast to coast on those type of initiatives. Uh, to, to bring, you know, that type of production back to the United States. And when we're talking about distribution fulfillment centers, uh, you know, we, we talked about it's not always location, location, location. It's logistics and what, labor and location. On reshoring, what's the, the order of importance that, that you see with companies? Yeah, labor is number one, right? So so we have labor, we, we have Utility infrastructure is a big one, you know, um, believe it or not, a lot of these markets, you know, are, are you know, fairly tapped out on utility infrastructure, right? And to, to get get new electrical substations and all this stuff put up when you're coming out of a pandemic world, uh, you know, it takes some time. And so what we're seeing is, you know, the utility infrastructure needs, needs to catch up. And, you know, the next one's really tax structures and incentives play, play a big role on, you know, what community are you going to really reside in? And, you know, we have, you know, many, many reshoring clients and projects we're working on. They wanted to know how did that state governor really react through the pandemic? Is your business going to be operating or not operating based on how these uh, governors and how the states reacted and treated employees, treated going back to work? It's a big consideration now on where they're citing plants to know that, you know, their operation is going to be able to continue 24-7, you know, as they plan on coming back and bringing this operation back. So, yeah, labor laws and, and workplace conditions and, and lockdowns and, you know, Correct. social distancing probably has a, a lot to play of where to reshore, which states to, to reshore in. Yeah, and these are international companies, so they want to know the history, you know. What were the like-kind companies, how were they treated through the pandemic in 2020? Uh, so they want to know what happened. And so that that, that is, you know, uh, a different um, site selection factor that we haven't really had in the past. And so that's been very interesting on, you know, how did they react? How do we think they'll react in the future with the predictive analytics of saying what's the business climate going to be like for you to come back to a given state? So it, it's certainly been, you know, very interesting. In my 20 years of helping companies through this, you know, that's an interesting factor that we're, you know, we're learning the model now. Uh, definitely. Uh, so we were talking about trends that have reached North America at the beginning of the conversation, what we're seeing that's come out of EMEA and Asia Pacific. 
what are the trends that we haven't seen yet that are just starting to happen in those regions that might be on on our radar very soon? Yeah, you, 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 you know, it's, I wouldn't say, you know, we haven't seen it, but, you know, I, I think the trend when you talk about the, the need for labor, you quickly, every client of ours is offsetting, what's my capital investment in automation, robotics? You know, how do we balance capital investment in robotics and automation, you know, versus, you know, versus the labor? So we're certainly seeing, you know, on the e-commerce side, especially the automation in the e-commerce world coming from EMEA, that's getting adopted here in the United States. We're seeing that on all kinds of projects. Um, you know, on the manufacturing side, we're seeing the same thing. You know, what is the employee really going to be doing versus the investment in robotics and automation? So uh, that, that's certainly a trend that's going to continue um, as we look at those items. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, manufacturing, uh, with, with all the adoption and new technologies with AI, machine learning, robotics, automated distribution and fulfillment, it basically, it, it certainly changes the way you shop and, and, and kind of plan out on industrial real estate and what facilities that you need. Um, what, what advice would you give to, uh, you know, executives and, and corporations out there who are tackling these, these challenges and these, uh, you know, the, these market conditions right now when going out and looking for and planning for commercial real estate projects? Yeah, I, I think the one is, you know, defining who you are as an employer, right? You know, some of the trend we've seen from Asia Pacific is what we, they call human-centric design. You know, how do you have your facilities, your large complexes, you know, defined around the best human-centric experience? So what do the people want inside their facilities? So what are you like as an employer to be that employer of choice? The second thing we're, we're advising is really go back and look at the appropriate payback periods for that big capital investment. You know, historically, they've been too short here in the U.S., and therefore you just keep throwing labor at it because you can't get to the three-year to four-year payback. We're really challenging people to look at a longer payback period on that capital investment. You know, as they look at the length of the investment they're making, you know, it's, it's just not over three to five years. It's over 20, 30, 40 years becoming part of a community. And so we're trying to challenge some of the, the ways those things have been modeled out so, so people can have that holistic look at it. Certainly time horizons can, can dramatically impact, you know, the, the structure of a deal. Certainly. Uh, thank you very much for, for joining us today, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, uh, You know, it's been a great fireside chat. How does, uh, how does our audience reach out and learn more about yourself and JLL? Yeah, so great, great question. You know, it, it's best is via email, chris.bjorsen at jam.jll.com. And, uh, you know, there's 95,000 of us around the, the world. And so we, we appreciate you thinking about us and we're happy to help in any way. Thank you again for joining us today, Chris. Great, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate your time, thanks.